Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, we're in John 10. If you'd like to turn there in your Bibles, John chapter 10. Um, we are continuing uh, to just go through this theme of the Lord being our shepherd. Uh, if you're here with us on Sunday mornings or uh, this last week was awesome. We were out to, at the, the park area over here next to the cemetery. Um, wonderful time together going through the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, wonderful thoughts and message there, a word from God. And uh, I, my prayer is that uh, you're encouraged by that. I know I am. And, and what we've done the last week and this week now, are we're, we're going to be uh, kind of breaking down so, uh, chapter 10 of uh, John, where Jesus talks about himself as the good shepherd. So we're making some correlations to what we learn on Sunday morning and bringing that in to Wednesday night here as well, uh, at least last week and this week. So we're going to be in John chapter 10, and I'm going to read, uh, we, we started and covered uh, verses 1 through 10 last week, and uh, this week we're going to cover verses 11 through 21. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll, we'll read it, and then we'll ask some questions and get into uh, some more of the Word. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we are so grateful for your love and your mercy, and we ask that you would be present here today, God, that you would remind us of your presence, God, and God, that we would respond to you and to your voice as the shepherd calling out to us, God, that we'd respond to you as you call us to repent and to believe and be saved. We'd respond to you as you call us to follow you and to obey you, God, to live righteously for you, and God, to glorify your great name. So God, as we look to your word today, we, we do pray that you would use it to transform our lives and our hearts. God, use it to expose our hearts for what they really are. And God, uh, use it to, to push us towards a place of growth and development of spiritual maturity. God, we want to be more like Jesus. We pray it all in his name. Amen. All right, so uh, we're in John chapter 10. And uh, I'm going to read verses 11 through 21. We'll read that uh, together, and then uh, we'll break down some of that tonight is the goal uh, with some questions as well. So here's what the Word says, beginning in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches, the scat, snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep. But they are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, He has a demon, and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So we're going to cover that portion of Scripture uh, tonight. Uh, just kind of catching us up from last week, we talked about the contrast uh, that Jesus showed himself, verses 1 through 10, of himself as the true shepherd and the gate for the sheep, uh, contrasting that to the false shepherds, the false 
teaching that's out there, other, other ways to get to God or to grow. So I want to ask you the question, what, what's the difference between false shepherds and the true shepherd? What are some of the characteristics or characteristic differences between false shepherds and the true shepherd? The true shepherd, the sheep, will know his voice, right? There's a relationship that's been established there, right? And there's a comfort and a care. Good. Yeah, the good shepherd doesn't abandon the sheep, right? False shepherds will abandon the sheep. Okay, good. What else? Yeah, the, their motive is not for the sheep. The, the, the answer was they're described in Scripture. False shepherds are described as, as thieves and robbers, right? They're to steal and kill and destroy. So, you know, we call them shepherds, but it's like Paul when he refers to the gospel in, in, uh, in Galatians. He's telling them there is no other gospel, right? There's one gospel. There's one good news, although they might call it the gospel. It's really not any gospel at all because there's only one good gospel and a real gospel, the good news. Uh, the same is true with the, with the true shepherd, the good shepherd, right? There's only one real good shepherd. There are uh, many false shepherds, but they really aren't shepherds at all. They're looking out for their own interests. What else? What are some other differences we've seen? What's that? False shepherds Yeah, false shepherds are in it for self-gratification, self-glorification. Very good, yeah. We'll see that a little more this Sunday as well. They use the sheep instead of tending them. Yeah, absolutely. Good. The, the false shepherds are unreliable. Sure. Yeah. What are, what are some, just kind of segueing from that, what are some truths or some things you've been learning through Psalm 23 and maybe some of last week here? What are some of the things that you've been learning um, or nugget you might have grabbed onto in the last few weeks? Could be something from Psalm 23 or John 10. Over here, where was it? That way? Oh, Dan. My, my yeah, the Lord is my shepherd, right? It's got to be, yeah, my shepherd. Yeah, and, and we have a, we, and I mentioned we take a false comfort, right? The world takes a false comfort in the 23rd Psalm. And, and many people, for, the, for many people in the world who do not believe, who do not have faith, the Lord is indeed not their shepherd, right? Good. Right, we shouldn't be more interested in the pasture than whose it is or who gave it to us. Yeah, I mentioned on Sunday, uh, the, the shepherd leads us, right, to, and makes us lie down in green pastures and lets us drink from still waters or quiet waters. And, and too often, I think, society and even people who are drawn to faith-like things are really drawn to the, the, the pasture, right? And they're drawn to the water and the drink and the refreshment. They're drawn to maybe the fellowship with the sheep. There's, there's a, a familiarity there. They, they enjoy that. Maybe they're drawn to the emotional draw of church or the, maybe the singing just touches their heart in a way that makes them remember their grandma, right? Whatever it might be, it, it's, what's not drawing their attention is actually the shepherd, right? And, and although we, we see these things, we see that, that there's life and nourishment and there's, there's energy and, and refreshment in these things that the shepherd provides, in and of themselves, they will not provide the life that only the shepherd can provide, right? He has to be my shepherd. I have to go to him and then 
He leads me into those places. Good. <clears throat> that was profound to me, by the way, as well. As, as, I, as I studied that, that, was, that really hit home. Some other things that maybe you've learned or caught, glimpsed. Right. Yes, right. They do not care for the sheep. Yeah, uh, I'll try to sum up that response for our online listeners. Um, there, there are false shepherds, and they are actually leading. And people are then following these false shepherds, but they're not following them to the fertile nourishment of God's word, right? Or the refreshment and cleansing from, uh, from the, the atonement given through Christ. Uh, they're actually, what, what Hoyt said is they're, they're putting burdens on the shoulders of the sheep, of, of people, uh, burdens that they can't carry, that they were never made to carry. So, yeah, that's a huge contrast there. Vic? Yeah, good shepherd yeah, the, the, and we're going to look at that tonight. The good shepherd literally laid down his life for the sheep. That's, that's a huge contrast, the biggest contrast there is. And, and from that, then there should be, what, what does that inform me as a sheep to do in response and, and to be in response to the shepherd? Good. Uh, I want to read a passage of Scripture just out of Matthew chapter 9. Uh, Jesus, he, he saw the crowds and he felt compassion on them. Because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. So often, you know, we, we've talked about this in the past years now, as our church has kind of changed directions and adopted a, a more biblical-centered eldership, a plurality of leadership in our church. And, and the role of an of a elder is, is shepherd. And there's a shepherding that needs to occur. So as we talk and as we visit about things going on in, in our lives and the lives of people around us, what we constantly see us going back to is that there are hearts everywhere within ourselves and within our congregation and our community, hearts that need to be shepherded, right? We shepherd people towards right paths, like, like the Good Shepherd would say for us as well. Um, so often uh, we see people who are distressed and dejected. And they are like sheep without a shepherd. And so important for us to, to come alongside and to shepherd, shepherd our congregation, shepherd, shepherd people in those roles. So Jesus saw that. So what I want to do is we're going to carry on uh, through this passage and we're going to break it apart a little bit. Um, and I want, to sh- I want to just see some other, some other sh- uh, tr- glimpses of, of Jesus as the, the true shepherd, not the false shepherd. And we'll see how what he is described as here is different from what the Pharisees Produced or other false shepherds would produce. Uh, the first thing we see is that the shepherd, he shows actual care and concern. And there were, there were a few areas of this we see in this passage. If you go back to the passage in John chapter 10, he shows care and concern by first, like Vic said, laying down his life. So we see John chapter 10 verses 11 and thir- through 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about 
the sheep. A couple things I, I want to just add to that as we, as we look at that. I, I caught this uh, earlier tonight as I was reading through these notes, and, and, and as Hoyt said something earlier, it is really important to see these two, two things. We see that there's the good shepherd, the true shepherd, that is, that is from God and, and obedient to the Father, drawing the sheep to himself, and that is his flock, his, his people, you know, his uh, people for his own possession. We see that through Scripture. That's the good shepherd. We also know there are false shepherds, right? Ones that are going to lead sheep astray. And, and, and here are a couple of things that, that stood out here to me is this. The wolf, right? And we see wolves in sheep clothing. But we see Satan uses these false shepherds and wolves in sheep clothing, or just the world as wolves, ravenous, ravenous out there. He, uh, Satan is like a lion, right? Looking for whom he might devour. But what are the two areas? How does he do it? He says, a wolf snatches and scatters, snatches and scatters. Really important for us to understand that mentality, that method, that modus operandi of Satan. He wants to snatch us. He wants to grab onto us when we are unprotected. Now, now sheep, we're defenseless anyway. We have to have the shepherd. We have to have that protection that he provides and, and go where he leads us to go. And then we will be safe and secure. But when we decide to not go down right paths, where do we find ourselves? We find ourselves helpless again and defenseless. And what does the wolf do? He snatches us. He snatches us in a temptation, a sin. He snatches us in even, even uh, consequences of someone else's own sin. And there we are, snatched. And what, what's the second word he said? He snatches and then scatters. Right? Division is one of Satan's number one tools. If he can divide, right? Think about relationally in your marriages or in your relationship with friends right, or people in the church or people in the community, it, the, the hardest, toughest times in relationship are when there's friction, right? When there's a friction that's unhealthy, when there's a resentment or a bitterness that's been built up, when there was something that made us divide. Satan wants to snatch us and isolate us so he can have us all to himself. And then we don't have the protection we need, not only from the good shepherd, where he would, would have led us, or from the flock that's there to encourage and to bear the burdens that God has established us to bear as a church. So important to not be caught alone. So let's just ask a question there. <clears throat> what were some of the consequences or, or effects of being isolated for you at some point in your life? What happened when you were isolated? Maybe it was time in school or college with work or from family, from the word or from church, from God's people? What was it like to be isolated? Lonely. It's lonely. No There's no direction. Depression. Kind of aimless, right? Depression. What's that? Depression, Depressing. yes. Wise yeah, you've been separated from wise counsel, right? That loneliness, that isolation says there's nobody around me. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, usually it just takes us walking back, right, to the, to the fold. But, but when we isolate, I, I mean, I, I speak for myself, there's shame there, right? We've isolated, we've hurt, we've wounded, we've said something wrong, and we, it's like, oh, I'm just going to isolate, and then I just feel shame. I don't, I don't want to go back into that relationship or go back and face that sin that I was in or something I did wrong, right, in isolation. Sounds, sounds like loads of fun, right, to get isolated, to get snatched up by Satan and to be isolated. 
Certainly we don't want that. I mean, uh, truly, ways to remedy that, we're going to see on Sunday morning as well, but, but ways to remedy that are, are to stay listening to the shepherd's voice, following the shepherd on the right path. Stay with the fold as the flock, the sheep follow the shepherd. Be in, be in community there, be in relationship there, uh, and, and be quick to be humble and say, oh, I was wrong, that's the wrong way. Be quick to repent and turn back and come back into the fold and be restored. Um, we saw last week, he, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. He restores our soul, renews our life, right? There's refreshment there. And, and, and we know it. We, we, we know it even when we're isolated. And I think we especially know it then, but there's so much fear and so much shame or guilt that says, ah, I need to stay here in this place. God's like, no, you don't. I, I was leading you somewhere else. You wandered off. Come back to the middle. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. He's the good one, right? He's the perfect, authentic shepherd. He's in a class all by himself. He's preeminent above all other shepherds. And because he is the perfect shepherd, he was the only one able to die to protect his sheep. But, but it was more than that. It wasn't just to die to protect, right? It went far beyond being willing to risk his life to actually laying his life down for his sheep. It wasn't just, I'm going to risk it. I'll, I'm going to fight these wolves off. I am, there was a need, right, for us as human beings. There was a need for our sin to be atoned for. So Jesus, who was the good shepherd, became the perfect lamb of God sacrifice and allowed himself to be crucified, to be killed on our behalf so that we could be white as snow through faith in Jesus Christ. No one else did that. Jesus being the good shepherd is about him being a substitutionary atonement for us. John 6, 47 to 51 says, Truly I tell you, anyone who believes has eternal life. So Jesus, again, talking about the, the eternal life through, through the atonement, through forgiveness that is offered. I'm the bread of life, he says. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the last statement here he says is, the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus willingly laid down. It wasn't just, hey, hey Father, let's send manna down to the people again so they have their bread and their tummies are full. This was an offering of himself as the true bread that through his flesh, the flesh he offered on the cross, that we could have life, eternal life with him through repentance and faith in Christ alone. In Luke, he's at the Last Supper in Luke 22, and he says he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took, a, took the cup also after supper and said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. See, Jesus offered himself as the perfect lamb sacrifice. The good shepherd humbled himself and, and to the point of death for us, for, for the sheep that they might have life. Romans 5 tells us God proves his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His death was the actual atonement to provide the payment for the sins of all who would believe. And, and he differentiated himself there in John chapter 10. He says he's not like the hired hand. He's not like the hired hand, he says. Um, 
hired hand is not willing to lay down their life. The hired hand, when things get dangerous, gets up and, and leaves. He's called the hired hand or the doorkeeper, right? The hired hand is not willing to, to work if it means that harm may come to himself. And he said, he's like, he's in it for the money. He's in it for a job. This is his work. Where, where the shepherd, and shepherds in that time, this was their livelihood. This was their family's sustenance. This is how they maintained families for generations, uh, was through their work as a shepherd. Um, well, let's talk about false shepherds here. Could we see a false shepherd? Who, this, this is the doorkeeper. And, and, and rightly so, doorkeepers were very valuable to shepherds. Doorkeepers would keep watch at the fold in the town. And if the, the, the shepherd would go get some refreshment, they could leave. And they, it still there was a risk there. But it was in town. They didn't think maybe wild animals would be there. There's a doorkeeper. They're going to go get refreshment. Maybe we could lie down and get a nap. And then they'll come back to their sheep. The doorkeeper would stay there and, and work, right? So it wasn't like the doorkeepers are bad. He's just saying that... I'm not the doorkeeper. I'm the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one who would lay down and risk it all for you. The doorkeeper's not. He's just being paid, and he's not being paid enough, frankly. He's going to leave. So let me ask this. When putting, we talked about the contrast between putting trust or faith in a false shepherd and putting our trust and <clears throat> faith in Jesus as the good shepherd, the true shepherd. What were some of the ways that false shepherds... <clears throat> let me rephrase that so it's not so personal. If you want to share personally, that's fine. What are ways that false shepherds let people down? What are ways false shepherds let people down? What kind of mentioned earlier, they, they put a heavy burden right on the backs of people, a burden they can't carry. So they let them down. They, they thought, I, I thought you were there to help. You're, all you're doing is hurting, right? What else? What are some ways false shepherds let us down? They let the sheep wander away. Right? Shepherd goes after the sheep, false shepherd lets him wander. Oh, I've still got 60, or I've still got 50, no big deal. What else? Yeah, they, they teach a false gospel, right? There's, there's a false message of hope. It's, it's, not, it, it's usually about self or about works righteousness. If you do enough, if you say enough, if you do it the right way, you'll earn your way to favor with God. And that's not what the gospel message says at all. It's by grace through faith. In Christ alone, not by works, so that no one can boast. There's a false gospel involved. And listen, a false gospel is really no gospel at all. The fake false gospel is not good news. It will always let us down. I want to contrast this also a little bit with the doorkeeper. Because as I said, the doorkeeper was still... I mean, I'm sure there are bad ones, but they were doing a job. They were trying their best to, to be there. They weren't called a shepherd, but they were still there. But I feel like the, the doorkeeper might let you down. You might come back in a few hours and door, doorkeeper ran away. Something big came and they, they got out of there. Someone came to steal or kill and destroy and they, they skedaddled, right? And they were disappointed. Same is true with us, right? One of the things I've told, told my, my people in, in our church, I, I said, don't put all your hope in me. Do not put all your hope in me, Right? As best as I want to love you and serve you and be a, be a shepherd, I am only an under-shepherd and not nearly adequate like Jesus is. Jesus is the chief shepherd. So if you put your hope in me or any person, you will always end up disappointed, right? There should be a relationship of repentance in our relationship, though, right? If I disappoint you, if I sin against you, I need to repent of that. I need to go to you and seek forgiveness and restoration. And ultimately, our trust is in Christ alone for our satisfaction and for our sufficiency, not in human beings other than the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. 
Titus tells us, or Paul and Titus says, that there are many rebellious people full of empty talk and deception, especially those from the circumcision party. It is necessary to silence them. They are ruining entire households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get monetary or in order uh, to get monetary money dis- dishonestly. So this is going back. They're teaching a false gospel. They're, they're saying, pay for it, earn it, buy it. You'll, get, you'll earn your way. Right? This needs to be silenced. And certainly for sheep who know the shepherd and know his voice and know his gospel, we must speak against that when some of the gospel comes up. When our, when our friends in our, in our, in our coworkers, or our friends in our community who are, are not believers hear some kind of a false gospel and they, they tell it to us, we ought to be able to recognize that and say, no, 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 that's not what the shepherd says. That's not what Jesus leads me to. This is, here's the hope that we have. It's in Christ alone. It's, it's in the gospel, the real gospel of Jesus. There's not, that will disappoint you. We must be warning our friends about that, silencing those gospel messages going out. False shepherds are not willing to lay down their lives, and they will therefore flee at the first sign of threat or, or to their well-being because they're actually not concerned about the sheep. They're concerned about how they might use the sheep. But the shepherd really does care. So we saw he shows care by laying down his life. We see also the care he has that he loves them deeply. There's a deep love between Christ, the good shepherd, and his sheep, the bride. Uh, We see in John 10, following in verses 14 through 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Now let's talk about this, this phrase. It says, I know my own and my own know me. What, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus knows his own and his own know him? What does it mean to know and to be known? Right. Yeah, the more time we spend with him, his word, with the Holy Spirit, we are getting to know him, right? We, we understand. I use that analogy a lot with my, my, like my dad. I know, I know what my dad would say about this situation or scenario, right? Because I, I grew up and I, I listened and I, spent, I paid attention. I remember in high school, I'd be in a certain area and I'd be like, no, no, no. I know what my dad would say about that right now. Or I know what my mom would say about that right now. We got, like, I knew her, right? And, and she knew me in a way, or my dad knew me in a way where he would make, mention something before I leave the door that morning. Like, how'd you know my heart was saying that? How'd you know I was thinking that? How'd you know I was up to no good? Right? And so there, there's a, a knowledge there because of time spent, right? What else? What else does it mean to know and to be known? Is it, is it here? Head knowledge? Is it just, I, I know the facts? What's that? It's experience. Okay. What is it? Feeling, oh, familiar voice. Yes, a familiar voice. But how do you? How does it become familiar? Right. That's what we're asking. How does it become familiar? We see listening to him more often, but but to be known. Let me let me go back because this is this is kind of the awkward. Not want to talk about this in junior high youth group uh, time. The word known here is the same word used when we're talking in Genesis about Adam knowing his wife and they had a child. Right? That to be known, right? Whenever they were there was intimacy shared, that was being Adam knew Eve. Right? That's that's where so how does that correlate? We're obviously not talking about something creepy, weird, sexual Jesus here. But what are we talking about? 
vulnerable. Right. Right. So, yes, we, we, on one side, we see that, that we are fully known by him. He knows us. He, he knew us before we were born. He predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters into the fold. He knows his sheep, and, and his sheep know him. But there is, there is something beyond a head knowledge here that we're talking about. It's a love relationship. The, the, the point I, I was making with this was that he loves them deeply. How do we see that? Because he knows them. And we know him. There is a, a oneness, an intimacy, a familiarity that, that goes beyond just the casual, oh, I know about Jesus. There is a relationship that has been entered into through faith in Christ that has forever changed us. And we know him. We feel him. And, and then the Spirit of God indwells us and we're led by his Spirit. And, and that familiarity increases as we get to know him more through his word and, and yielding to the Spirit and get to know him more through, through worship with, with his people and, and listening to the word of God taught. All, all of those things help increase our knowledge of God, our knowing of God. But his desire is that there would be this love relationship uh, from him to us and then from us back to him as well. He loves us. He's, we, we, I'm known, and or he says, I know my own, and my own know me. I want to go to John 17 to show this relationship as well, because it's, it starts at, it's not just this new thing that Jesus has for us. Sometimes he thinks, you know, we sing that song sometimes, and I don't want to sing it anymore, but we sing that song above all, right? It's, it's you know, you, you took, uh, what does it say, um, trampled, like a rose trampled on the ground, you thought of me, right, above all. No, no, Jesus didn't think about us above all. Jesus always, above all, was always thinking about the relationship between the Father and the Holy Spirit, always. That was always first. The glory of, of God, the Godhead and, and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and how they were one and united and how they knew each other and were familiar and how that love existed and coexisted before the foundations of the world. That's what they think about above all. So he's praying to the Father in verse 24 of John 17. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, you, I have known you. Here's this, this love again. And they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them. And we'll continue to make it known so that, here's the so that, the love you had or have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Jesus came, he knows, as Jesus knows the Father and the Spirit and there's a relationship there, this is the love that he comes down with, his obedient love. We'll see in a few minutes. He obeys the Father and comes down to share that love so that we may know that love and be known by him through faith in Christ. That I, He says, I, I tell you, uh, with the same love that you love me, I want that love to be in them and, and that I might be in them. There's something about being in Christ and Christ in us that makes all the difference. So really, be, above everything, beyond, we want to make sure this isn't just a head knowledge. This is actually a, a sheep entering the gate through the gate, through Christ, 
and letting the good shepherd Christ lead us out into green pastures and lead us where he wants us to be led. I see it in Luke 13 as well. And this is something similar to what Hoyt was talking about a minute ago. He went in in chapter 13, verses 22 to 27. He, Jesus, went through one town and village after another, teaching and making his way to Jerusalem. Lord, someone asked him, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able. Now let's stop there. He, he, te- he talks about himself in John 10 as the gate. I'm the gate. Not only am I the good shepherd, I'm the gate. I'm the only way you can come in or out of this. If you want to be in this fold, I, and, I, and, and his, his grace extends to them, we'll see that in a minute. He, he is the gate. Here he calls himself the door, and there's the narrow door. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able to. Once the homeowner, once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door. So enter through the narrow gate because there's a time coming when that door is going to be shut. That gate is going to be shut. Then you will stand outside, knock on the door saying, Lord, open up for us. He will answer you. I, I don't know you or where you're from. Now, we, we know that God knows us before the foundation of the world, but there's a knowledge of those who will know him as well. I don't know you or where you're from. Then you will say, well, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I don't know you or where you're from. Get away from me, all you evildoers. That's pretty bold. What we see here is that there, there are those who don't believe, who don't go in through the gate, who don't go in through the narrow door of Jesus Christ to be a sheep under his, shepherd, his shepherdship and leadership and guidance. But at a certain time, like, oh, okay, it's time now. I, I, I want to go. No, the door's already closed. He's called and called. And we saw that this last couple of weeks. I've shared that verse out of Psalm 95. Right? When, when, when he calls, when the shepherd uh, speaks, hear his voice, right? Don't harden your hearts against him, but believe the gospel and be saved. So there's this deep correlation. We see this love of God, the love of the Father, moving, moving forward into, into the sheep, into the sheepfold. And, and that he wants that love to go out and for us to be known and to know him fully through faith in Jesus Christ. Next part of this I want to see is that he extends his grace, which is amazing uh, to see what he does here. Uh, of course, the Jews thought they were it. They're the circumcision party, we're, the, we're it. But he extends his grace. He says, uh, he goes on um, in, in verse 16 of chapter 10. He said, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus never came to say, well, let's just have all our own way and all our own sheep pens. He came to draw his people to himself and to be their shepherd. That's what he wants. So when he calls out to you, you don't harden your heart. You respond in faith to the one shepherd. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by those called the circumcision which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. A pretty dire place. That's where everyone is without Christ, by the way. But now, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near 
by the blood of Christ. See, Jesus extends his grace as the good shepherd, the one shepherd, to all who would believe. The unity between Jews and Gentiles, male and female, slaves and free, that's the unity that defines the church because from all will come sheep that belong to the one true shepherd. And it's by grace, through faith in Christ alone. We see two more little areas. I have 10 minutes left. That goes so fast. Two more little areas here we see as we finish up this section uh, of, the good, of the good shepherd and, and, and aspects of this one true shepherd that is different from the false shepherds. Uh, this is the next one. The shepherd is submissive and obedient to the will of the Father. The good shepherd is submissive and obedient to the will of the Father. When you have false shepherds, they aren't obedient to anyone but themselves. They follow what they want. They're on their own whim. So back to John 10, verses 17 and 18. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I've received this command from my Father. So Jesus, the good shepherd, has the command from the Father, go, lay down your life, and take it up again. And it says, this is why the Father loves me, because I obey his command. This is that relationship that was there before the foundations of the world, this love between the Father and Son and Spirit. This is why the Father loves me. I lay down my life. I've received this command from my Father. The shepherd is submissive and obedient to the will of the Father. Again, in John 17, he begins his high priestly prayer, verses 1 through 5. Jesus spoke these things. He looked up to heaven and said, Father. So here, here he is. This is the relationship with the Father he has. The hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all people, so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. He says, I have glorified you on the earth by, here, here it is, how is Jesus glorified? I've glorified you by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world Existed. See, there's a difference there. Jesus, when he condescended to, to earth, he took on human flesh and this frailty of humanity. And, and, and he, he didn't consider equality with the Godhead something to be grasped, but he still was fully God. And he fully had coexisted before that uh, with the glory in the presence of the Father, with the glory he had before uh, the world existed. So he, he's in this relationship before the world existed of submission and of unity with the Father and of love with the Father and the Spirit. And he condescends to humanity and is obedient to the will of the Father and glorifying the Father. And as he does that, the Father then glorifies the Son and the Son glorifies the Father that we might know Jesus Christ. And we might have eternal life by knowing Christ and knowing the Father whom he sent to us. So we see the true shepherd is submissive and obedient to the will of the Father. Not so with false shepherds. The final thing we see is that the shepherd, the good shepherd, he exposes hearts. That's, that's hard to hear because we hear all of this stuff, and, but it gets real personal. And Jesus got really personal a lot of times in Scripture. Calling people out for their unbelief, calling people out for their hypocrisy, calling their, them out for being a false shepherd or, or not believing. He exposes hearts. As he's speaking this thing to the crowd around him, and if you read the passages before and after and you're seeing the context of what's going on and who's there, he's speaking to these crowds with Pharisees and believers and disciples in, in, in verse 19 and 221, the last part of our, our message today, our last part of our 
study today. It said, again, the Jews were divided. So he, he just, just got done talking about, um, this is why the Father loves me. I lay down my life. I might take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own. I have the right to do that. I have received this command from my Father. I mean, these are fighting words to people who don't believe he's the Messiah. So it goes on and says, again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do, why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind, which he had done in chapter 9? So there's this division going on. Jesus is exposing their heart. And he's, he's showing them who they really are and making them show their true colors as well. He, he forces that. He says, listen, I, I want you to say, who am I? Who, I am here today. Who am I? Uh, John 7, we see that there a lot of, in the, disc, in, the, in, the in the course of his teaching, uh, there was a lot of murmuring about him among the crowds. Some were saying, he's a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he's deceiving people. So the crowd was divided because of him. I mean, he's coming claiming to be the Messiah. He's doing these works and miracles and signs that, that point, should point them to him as the Messiah. All of what Moses taught should point to him, point to him as the Messiah. They, they know this. They know better, but they want to deny it. And some are like, well, I don't know if we can deny this. So they're divided. He's exposing hearts. Je- Jesus, you know, I, I said earlier, Jesus or, or Satan, his biggest tool is to divide. But I tell you what else divides. The gospel of Jesus Christ divides. The gospel of Jesus Christ divides. People who will come to faith in Jesus Christ, they'll repent and, and express faith and belief in the gospel. They will come to faith and they will be part of God's household, his family. And there's a joy to be had like never before. But when you come to faith in Christ, your husband, your mom, your daughter, your aunt, your friend may not like that very much. And the talk about this gospel and this Messiah of Jesus may bring division. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring the sword and divide. The gospel message divides. Now, I shouldn't divide the sheep, his sheep, but it certainly divides the world, the goats from the sheep. And we need to take note of this. He exposes the hearts of mankind. Too many people respond to the message of Jesus Christ with ridicule rather than repentance and faith in the Messiah. And with a humility to willingly be a sheep led by their good shepherd. So I would tell you this, don't stubbornly hold your ground, attributing to Jesus the work that is something other than the Father in heaven. Jesus is the Messiah. Again, the crowds in chapter 7 of John, many from the crowds believed in him and said, so that they were divided, right? Some didn't believe and some did. Many believed and said, when the Messiah comes, uh, he won't perform more signs than this man has done. And they're, they're saying, this is, this is it. There's no one greater than this coming. This is him. We believe in this. Think about the last little um, thought I want to leave you with was from when, when he was talking to the disciples, to Peter. He said, you know, who do people say that I am? Oh, some say you're Moses or Elijah. You know, some, you're a prophet. You're a good teacher. Then he said what? Who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Where else can we go to find the words of life? And that's the good shepherd. That's the true shepherd. There's no words of eternal life outside of him and maybe his under-shepherds, right? It's all in Christ alone.
All right, any, any questions before I close in prayer or, or additions? No? All right, so Sunday, we're going into verse 3 of Psalm 23. We're meeting out uh, at the park, the corner. I, I, I'm going to call it the park. We're worshiping in the park. This is the Memorial Chapel Park. That's where we're going to meet. I, I just can't. Every time we out, that we're outside of the church building, I always call it the park. So we're worshiping in the park. It's the southwest corner of the uh, of the cemetery. There's a great, uh, big, huge lot of land out there with with some nice grass. Uh, no headstones yet, so we get to worship out there, and it's a beautiful spot. We had a, a really great time, rich time, this previous Sunday out there together. So we're grateful for the, the cemetery working with us on that, and to be able to be out there this week. All right. Any questions? We're good. Let's pray. Father, we are, again, so grateful for your word and, and God, to be here together to, to learn from it and, and surrender our will and our heart to it. God, we ask that you would continue to conform us to the image of Christ, that you would change us because of, because of your word, because of who you are, that you would, you would call to us. And God, as you're calling to your sheep, God, that we would hear your voice and we would not harden our hearts, but we would respond to your grace through repentance and through faith in Jesus Christ. For he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He, in him is life. And we thank you for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, you guys.